If you have your Bibles tonight, you're going to find your way to 1 Peter chapter number 1. We're going to be picking up where we left off last week. We'll be looking at verses 6 through 9 tonight. And if you wanted to put a title, and I did put a title on it, is Why? I don't get real original, okay? (laughs) Why? As I was looking at the text and starting to, to ponder upon where the Lord would lead me with this, that question came to my mind, why? If you've had any dealings with children, you know that they come to a, a, a kind of weird uh, state of development. And that's when they come to the point in their life to where everything is why. Y'all know what I'm talking about? They'll come to you and they'll say things like, Mama, why? Oh, why is the sky blue? Why is this? You know, why did God make dogs and cats? And, you know, and all that. And, and, and we've all been down through there and we uh, tried to explain to them. And some things we can't explain because they're asking things that are unexplainable. And uh, you have done the same thing that I have. After about a series of about 15 or 20 whys, doesn't matter what you said to them, it's why, 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 why. And then you'll just kind of blow your top and say, because God said it. (laughs) Y'all done that? And they look at you and for just a moment, you think, okay, that will suffice. And then they go, well, why? Well, it's not just children that ask that question. Every one of us in this room here tonight has asked God that very question. Why? Why, God? Why is this taking place in my life right now? Why, God? Why why did this happen? And we can go on and on and on. But here in 1 Peter, uh, in chapter number 1, Peter uh, gives us some answers to that. Three things that we'll see tonight. We're going to see that there are times when uh, the answer to those whys that we have is that we just have to understand because of reality. Life is going to be life. Notice here, uh, we're picking up in verse number 6, but remember last week we looked at verses 1 through 5, and uh, Peter gave us uh, some, some things to shout about. Y'all remember that? We, uh, we, we, we could shout because we've been saved by grace. We can shout that we know we're there. We're slated for glory. Oh, we can shout because we've been sealed by God. I mean, that's some shouting ground. But notice how quick things change, just like life. One moment, everything's going well for you and... The next moment you get a phone call like I got yesterday. They're loading your wife into the ambulance and they're taking her. I mean, just like that. And I'll just be honest with you. As I was on my way to the hospital, I started asking, Lord, why? I thought, she, I, I, I thought we had this problem fixed. 
It was five months ago. We, she was looking uh, uh, at the end of April. She was going to be seizure-free. She can get back driving again. Why, Lord? I'm just going to be honest with you. I asked as I'm waiting on the ambulance. And I'm saying, God, I just can't figure this one out. You know she's gone through some tough times. You know that uh, uh, she's really had a battle one thing. It seems like well, it's one thing after another. Why, God? Then he gave me an answer. He says, you just hang on, son. One day, it's going to be all right. Now, I don't know about you, but that keeps me getting going. That helps me that when I came back from the hospital, and they, they, we took her back home, that I had a little spring in my step because I could understand that it could have very easily been a whole lot worse. And so here, uh, Peter helps us to answer those whys. Listen to what the Bible says. He says, Wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season. And if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations. Very interesting word or phrase here, manifold temptations. We're going to visit that in just a moment. Then he goes on and says, and that the trial of your faith. Notice he says, things are going to happen. You're going to suffer. Uh, and here's the reason why. There's trial. It's a trying of your faith. God is trying to teach us something through these sufferings and these trials and uh, temptations and, and these, uh, these difficult times. God is wanting to use them to help us with our faith. He says, and so the, the child of your faith, uh, he says, uh, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Oh, listen, I'm telling you, that's why we can continue to continue on when we're going through stuff in our lives. We can continue on. Why? Because one day we're going to see his appearing. Amen. And so then he goes on and he says in verse, uh, it says the, the, the appearing of Jesus Christ. And then he says, whom having not seen, you have in whom, though now you see him not, Yet believing, we rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. He says here, here's how oh, you're going to be able to get through these trials and tribulations. Here's how you're going to be able to answer the questions why. And the why is God is wanting to refine you. God is wanting to shape you. God is wanting you to get stronger in your faith. Why? Because one day you will have joy that's unspeakable. And we can have that joy today, can we not? No matter what you're going through. There's somebody here tonight that's going through some stuff that you can understand that and say, I don't understand. I, I, how can I have joy? You can have joy when you start taking your eyes off the what's going on around you and put your eyes up on the author and finisher of your faith because one day he's going to reward you. One day all of this will no longer be. And look at verse number 9. And receiving the end of your faith, 
even the salvation of your souls. And so for just a quick moment or two here, we're going to look at how can we answer the whys of life. The first thing that we see here, uh, we've already alluded to, the first five verses, he opens the letter and he says, hey, here's something to shout about. And then, I mean, just like that, he starts talking about suffering. We know here in this first letter uh, that Peter wrote uh, that there was two thing, uh, themes that uh, would uh, continue to pop up during this letter. The first one was the theme of glory. He was talking about the glory of the Lord, and uh, he was talking about joy. But then we also see there's a second theme to this letter, and it's a theme of suffering. Solomon uh, wrote a whole book pertaining to the wise of life. In Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verses 18 through 23, he starts to uh, question, if you will. He says, you know, it doesn't make any sense. Now, this is Mike's interpretation, translation on this. He says, you know, it doesn't make any sense to me. I work hard. I labor hard. He uses that word labor quite a bit in the book of Ecclesiastes. He says, I labor hard. He says, I'm trying to do it the right way. But then I've come to realize that my work ethic is uh, second to none. And he says uh, that I'm doing it the right way. And and, and I'm trying to be the person that I I, want to be and uh, that would be pleasing to the Lord. He says, but then I've come to realize That when I'm gone, all that I worked for and all the things that I try to do right could easily fall in the hands of someone who's not going to follow suit. I think about that sometimes. Some of you think about what you're leaving your children or grandchildren. You've worked hard for that. You tried to instill in them in work ethic and you tried to teach them to do the right thing. You, you, you've taught them to, you know, to be faithful to the, uh, the church and be faithful to the Lord Jesus. But reality tells us they could easily go a different route. Why? Why does that happen? Ecclesiastes, uh, we see a number of times, he says, I look around and he says, here's a person that's trying to do right and here's a person that could care less about doing right and it looks like they're doing better than I am. Why? Well, here Peter reminds us that just because we're saved does not make us immune or does not isolate us from getting sick from having financial problems, from having relationship problems, by having health issues. Reality is, life is just life. And so he goes in and notice, uh, he talks about the the reality in verse number 6. And we're reminded here is that he says, Now we can rejoice in times of suffering. How can we do that? Well, he goes and reminds us, and as I was thinking about that, I couldn't help but come to Luke chapter 20, verse number 10. You all know the story. It's a story about an owner of a vineyard. And he's going to go off, and so he uh, has somebody that left in charge. And then he goes off, and he's kind of curious of how things are going back in the vineyard, so he sends one of his servants. 
His servants goes and uh, uh, says, hey, I've come to, uh, to get some fruit out of the vineyard. And so the Bible tells us that they beat that servant up and sent him on his way empty-handed. So the owner sent another servant. Same fate. He gets beat up. He's, uh, he's uh, physically abused. And he gets kicked and says, move on with nothing. He sends a third servant. The third servant meets the same fate. Then the Bible goes on and says that they honor he, the heir, the one who was going uh, to be uh, inherited all that. He said he sends him. And they just didn't beat him up. They killed him. Now we understand it's a wonderful picture of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The, the three servants represent the prophets, those who were telling everybody about the Messiah, talking about the Lamb of God that was to come. And then, of course, they rejected that and uh, they suffered for that. But when he sent his only son, they killed him. Now, what does that have to do with this uh, a part about how we can rejoice? Well, we can rejoice when we're having to suffer because we're in pretty good company. Our Lord Jesus suffered for us. And so we're in pretty good company when we're going through suffering because, my dear friend, I don't know how much you've suffered. I don't know how uh, difficult it's been for you, but it pales in comparison to what Jesus Christ did for you and did for me when He suffered for us. Cost Him His life. And, but then we see in John chapter 16, verse number 33, it says, one hand it says, you can have peace. Now understand, you can have peace. He, he opens that verse up. You can have peace. And then he says, oh, you can have tribulations. Notice the sequence there. He tells us about peace before he tells us about the tribulation. Why? Because we need an encouraging word. Because when we're fixing to go through tribulation, it's always good to know that we can have peace with God. And peace from God. But then he goes on and says, Be a good cheer, for I've overcome the world. That's the reason why we can keep on keeping on when reality takes place, that when stuff happens, we'll understand that we can have a peace and we can have a joy, and we can have that understanding that one day this mess is going to be over. But notice the word usage here. He says manifold temptations. It's a very strong word. It means to be hit from all sides with devastating consequences. I started thinking about when I was in the emergency room with my wife, and I'm thinking, man, it can't get no worse than this. I mean, you know, I'm having my little deal. And, I'm, and then they bring someone in who didn't look like they were going to make it. Then I started thinking about some of my brothers and sisters in the fellowship here. Some of the stuff that they're having to deal with. My dear friend, that's the reason why I'm always encouraging us to be praying for one another. Because you do not know what your brother or sister might be going through in the next ten minutes. 
And I'm not trying to make light of any situation that you may be going through. I'm not trying to make light of your suffering. I know it's real and I know it's difficult. But my dear friend, we need to understand it can always be worse. One of the things that I used to do uh, is uh, I'd, I'd go to the nursing homes quite a bit and um, and uh, I, of course, there were days when I didn't really want to be in there, and I'm just being transparent with you, okay? And, and but I went, and uh, and I'm I'm having a little pity party, okay? And I'm thinking, you know what? I'm, I did. Why am I lying? This, things are so difficult. I mean, you know, I'm going through there, and then I start going one room at a time, and I'm looking in, and I'm seeing someone that can't even get out of bed. I'm looking at someone that can't even put a button on. I'm looking at somebody that has no clue to where they're at. And I had to apologize. God, I'm sorry. I got it pretty good. And so he reminds us that what they were going through were were devastating. They were losing their lives. They were persecuted to where they could die at any moment. And he tells them, you can still have joy. But then notice in verse number 7, we are going to see that we can answer those whys when uh, trials and tribulations come out. We can answer that question, why do I have to go through? Uh, Verse number 7 helps us to remind it's because of realignment. Notice he says, it's the trial of your faith. Already alluded to this. The reason why God will allow things to come into our life that we don't understand is because He's trying to try our faith. He's trying to make us stronger through all of this. See, Peter was a good example. Peter who wrote this letter... Oh, in John chapter uh, number 21, Jesus told Peter, He says, Peter, you're going to die. Now, I don't know about you, but that's going to really be something that could jump up and down. I mean, here's Peter, and Jesus comes to him, and he says, Peter, you're going to die because of your faith in me. Boy, that'll bless you, won't it? Do you think Peter jumped up and down and says, Glory to God, I'm going to die. But I do understand that he continued to keep on keeping on Because he knew even though he could very well die, he's going to live forever. And so then we see he's also reminded that he's going to suffer rejection. Also that he's already has suffered. We see in Acts chapter 4 and in Acts chapter 12, Peter had already suffered because of his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul, we all know the story. There's a movie uh, that's out or, or, or fixing to come out uh, talking about uh, uh, Paul. But we all understand Paul suffered because of his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We understand Stephen, he suffered because of his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We understand James uh, suffered because of his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Then I came across this Statistic. In the last 2,000 years, it's been estimated that 68 million believers 
have died because of their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I hope I'm able to convey what, and I hope you hear what I'm trying to say. 68 million believers. And by the way, that number is probably low. Because as we're speaking tonight, there's probably some who are dying somewhere in this world because of their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. 68 million. We don't know their names. We don't know where they're at. But God does. Now watch. Just yesterday, and I I love my Jewish friends. I love them. I pray for them every day. I want them to know the Messiah. But just yesterday, they're on the Capitol, and I'm all for it. I'm 100%. Hear what I'm fixing to say. And they recognize the Holocaust. One of the things that I have on my bucket list is that to go to D.C. and go to the Holocaust Museum. One of the things that I would love to be able to do if I ever get back to Israel uh, is go to be able, and there's a, a place there that you can meet them uh, and uh, have a face-to-face with Holocaust survivors. And, the, and that horrific depravity of man, over 6 million Jews died. Why? Because they were Jewish. I'm not taking light of that. It's a horrible thing. But how many times do you hear of believers dying? If it wasn't for publications like The Voice of the Martyrs, other publications, you would never ever know that there are believers who are dying because of their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't even know who they are. And then we kind of get a little, feel like we're being mistreated because someone rejected us when we try to give them the gospel. By the way, they didn't reject you, they rejected our Lord. And so we, we see here that, and then Romans 8, 8, Romans 8, 28 says, All things work together for good. To those who love the Lord. So, Mike, would you explain that? Where, if someone's dying because of their faith, what good is that? Well, I'll tell you what good's that. Because they're there in glory right now. I mean, they don't have to put up with this mess that we've had to put up down here. And I started thinking, why does God, why does God bring these trials? And it says here, he says, because he's trying to refine us. And he says, notice how the illustration he gives. He says, uh, uh, to purify that gold and and to make it pure gold, you have to go through the fire. Oh, my dear brothers and sisters, we have to come to the realization that God is trying to realign our faith and trying to make us stronger and help us to understand that our faith is not based on circumstances. Our faith is based upon trusting Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior and recognizing the fact that what He's promised, He will deliver. 
And He's promised me He's not going to leave me. He's promised me that He will not forsake me. He promised me that I can be more than a conqueror. He's promised me that even though sufferings may come, He will help us to endure it. And one day, one glorious day, it's going to be over. It's going to be over. Story about the eagle. I've been told that little eaglets, when it comes time for them to get out of the nest, the mom will basically kick them out of the nest. So as they're being kicked out of the nest, that little eaglet's going, and of course he's trying to flap its little wings, and it's to no avail. They're fluttering around, and they're doing a free fall to their death. Could you imagine the, the, uh, how terrifying that would be? That would be kind of like uh, going up uh, 10,000 feet in the air and you jump out of an airplane without a parachute. I mean, you know, you're thinking, okay, okay, I'm fixed, I'm going to die. Well, that little eagle, but at, right at the last moment, Mama Eagle comes, whoosh, suits that little eaglet, takes it back to the nest. I've been told this is repeated over a course of time. Till finally one day, that little eaglet is now falling. But now his wings have gotten stronger because he's been practicing all those other times when he was falling. And then there's a day when he starts to flap his wings and soars. I think one of the most magnificent birds that God created was an eagle. They are awesome birds. And can you imagine that little eaglet? He's kind of flying through the air and he's saying, Ooh, look at this. This is good. And that little eaglet was doing what it was created to do, fly. What a beautiful picture that is for us. God has created us to soar. God has created us to fly. But what it takes is numerous times when we feel like God kicked us out of the nest, all He was doing is getting us ready to when that day comes that we're able to soar. My dear friend, we'll be able to soar, maybe not down here like you wanted to, but one day we'll be soaring high above the clouds and we'll be in glory Forever. I thought about this. I was a teacher. Every one of you can tell me at least a one of your teachers that really was instrumental in your life. The teacher that came to my mind was my speech and drama teacher. I was in speech and drama because I didn't want to take another English class. And I found out if I got in speech and drama that that would suffice for another English course. So I thought that's for me. I didn't realize that in speech and drama class you had to make a speech. <laughs> I got in there and first thing she says, in two weeks uh, you'll have a 10 minute speech. And she gave us the topic. And I'm, I'm looking around and I said, speech? I mean, But she was instrumental in my life because of this fact. She didn't just pass me through. I even went and asked her to do that. I, I said, 
Miss Anderson, I remember her. This is 100 years. I said, Miss Anderson, could you just give me a little benefit of the doubt? At that time, I was playing basketball. And I said, you know, uh, it would really help me. And uh, I said, I really, I'm just going to be honest with you. No disrespect. But I thought this was going to be one of those like basket weaving classes where you just show up and you pass. She says, oh, you picked the wrong class for that. <laughs> but she challenged me. She got me out of my comfort zone. She said, you will make the speeches and you're going to be all right. And I didn't like it at first. But now that I've gotten older, I look back and I'm thinking, thank God for a Miss Anderson that challenged her students to get out of their comfort zone because we're probably where we're at today many times over because of those who challenged us when we were in school. God, who's the master teacher, He kicks us out of the nest... He challenges us. He gets us out of our comfort zone. Why? Because He knows that we can raise our level of our faith. Aren't you glad tonight that all that stuff, and you may be going through it tonight, aren't you glad that God is in control? And God has allowed what has ever come into your life or what will come into your life. And He's not doing it because He's mean and He's cruel. He's doing it because He loves us and He wants us to be more than conquerors through Christ who strengthens us. But then, notice the, real, the last one, verse number 8, is that when we're... When we are being challenged and when we're going through the stuff that we're going through, one day, one day, I said one day, we're going to see Him face to face in all of His glory. And He's going to say these words, Well done, thy good and faithful servant. And we're going to look and say, Thank you, Jesus. I know I didn't like it at the time. I didn't understand it at the time. But as we look around to that new place of residence that we talked about Sunday night, as we look at all the glory and we see the angelic host and we see all those who came by the way of the cross and we see the, the magnificent light that radiates and there's no sun and there's no moon but it's the radiation coming from the throne of grace that we're going to say it was all worth it just to see him as he is somebody needs encouraging tonight somebody's going through some stuff I got good news for you you just hang on brother or sister you hang on because it's going to get better. It's going to get better. Church, that's one of our responsibilities to one another is that we encourage those who are going through some stuff because next week you might be the one that needs encouraging. Here Peter says there's some things to shout about even when you're having to suffer. But thanks be unto God, our suffering 
pales in comparison to the reward that we'll receive when we get there.